Hi, I'm Amy. Hi, I'm Roisin. Hi, I'm Tara. Welcome to Yonic Boom. This is the fortnightly podcast hosted by three deadly feminist midwives exploring women's reproductive and sexual health. This is episode four and we're talking about sex. A couple of initial points to make um, before we start getting into the nitty gritty. Um, as we defined in our pod rules in episode one, um, we'd like to point out again that we're sex positive and that we believe in really clear cut concepts of consent. So anything that we're talking about, we're talking about consensual sex this episode. Absolutely. I'd just like to clear, clear that up. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is to be aware of the age of consent is 17 in Ireland. Um, and importantly, and we'll link in the show notes um, for people to access um, some information. We have a national strategy on sexual health and we have a national clinical lead for sexual health who is Dr. Fiona Lyons. Mm-hmm. And they're producing some really good Ireland specific literature for sexual health and knowledge and information and stuff. Great. In my research for the episode, I found that the majority of the literature looking into kind of age of initiation of sexual intercourse, um, typical sexual experiences, frequency of sex, uh, numbers of partners. It's all very focused on heteronormative penis, vagina, sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to also say that that really inadequately represents lots of people's sexual experiences and behaviours. And we'll be discussing... Um, any available information or literature that we've come across but we would love to hear from those of you who are having different sexual experiences than this heteronormative one that is covered in most of the yeah absolutely definitions and stuff that we're talking about yeah um as midwives we would most frequently probably discuss sex with people in two um in our care with people in our care in two main kind of time specific events i think which would be sex during pregnancy and resumption of sexual activity after having a baby yeah that's certainly my experience of the most people ask questions when they come into hospital in antenatal clinics or whatever um and we're going to discuss them in a lot more detail in our pregnancy and our postnatal episodes um it's also important to say that we would on occasion deal with women people coming into the emergency departments with sex related injuries Mm -hmm. and we'd encourage people not to be embarrassed because we see all types of everything and no concern is too big or too small if you have a sex related injury and you're concerned about your health please do come to the emergency department and you will come across a very open and supportive midwife no Um, pun intended no pun intended um, and then obviously, unfortunately, on rare occasions, we do also deal with sexual assault cases, yeah. um, although um, in the main, they're kind of referred on to a sexual assault treatment unit. So that's kind of our background experience as midwives. In this episode, we thought it would be interesting and important to examine kind of definitions of sexual intercourse or sexual activity um, kind of discuss a little bit about what happens to your body during sex um, highlight average ages of initiation of sex in Ireland and um, I'm going to ask you guys a question to think about while we're discussing which is what do you wish you had known about sex before you started having it and what would you tell young adults in your life now about sex or what would you be educating your children on about sex that maybe you wish someone had had a conversation with you about Um, as veterans in yeah. the field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'll come back to you guys on that one. And then lastly, we wanted to touch on <laughs> masturbation <laughs> and open up a conversation about female masturbation and female sexual pleasure. 
Great. So that's where we're going with this. Excellent. We, we all on board? All yes. on board. All aboard. Let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> I really so. wanted to sing <clears throat> something. But yeah, obviously right. I was like, what <laughs> if I surprise them with a song about sex in the middle of it? That and was kind of my moment there and I, I didn't take it. Oh, okay. I'm disappointed. So, definitions of sex. Like, a lot of what you will be finding if you're looking around for this, if you're not sure what it is yet, um, or you're trying to explain it to someone else, um, will, as I said, really be confined to heteronormative penis mm-hmm. in vagina, what we would say is sexual intercourse. Um, so one particular definition is sexual contact between individuals involving penetration, especially the insertion of a man's erect penis into a woman's vagina, typically culminating in orgasm and the ejaculation of semen, which is really nice because it's totally focused on the Yeah, man. I was going to say, typically. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, Merriam-Webster dictionary actually really nicely defined it into heterosexual intercourse involving penetration of the vagina by the penis and had a sub term of coitus for that Um, and then just intercourse which was anal or oral intercourse that does not involve penetration of the vagina by the penis Um, okay so a little bit more inclusive yeah a little bit so on review of a lot of the information it's not clearly defined like there is no one like what is sex definition which is which is kind of nice because it's different for everyone right Um, but a lot of it is focused on heterosexual people losing their virginity and this penetration thing Um, it's probably a little bit more appropriate maybe now to define sex as sexual activity Mm -hmm. for people that encompasses then a really inclusive definition of vaginal sex anal sex sexual touching oral sex exposing your body to another person taking sexual pictures of yourself or another person showing somebody pornographic images or video and a lot more so that's I think a much so it's much more I, broad. I'm going yeah. to try and talk about sexual activity. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, I talked about it in our first episode on puberty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to link it again here. The Teen Health Source, the Canadian website, yes, um, is really good, plain, basic information that addresses that sex is not just vaginal penetration, and that any kind of conversation you begin with like about sex should always begin with yourself and exploring your body and what your kind of thoughts, needs, desires are and an exploration of your body. Great. So I think that's a good kind of jumping off point for anyone who's talking to young adults about sex is to know what feels good to you um, and to know what you like or don't like in terms of fantasies, desires, needs, and then obviously really explicit definition of what are good feelings, what are bad feelings, what are yeses and what are noes. Yeah. Um, also on that website, which I think would be really good for teenagers, is a segment about, I think it's called quizzes, or maybe it's like self-learning or something. Um, really nice self-assessments that you can do like a little quiz to figure out where you're at mm-hmm. if it's about contraception you know what's the right contraception for me let's say for example Great. whatever they're really good and really helpful Not like- and they also have a definition section of sexual health kind of words and terms okay. so really, really good. clear basic information they're not super medical they're not super like 
Urban Dictionary. Yes. Um, and would be really useful, I think, to for young people, for anybody who's really a little bit confused about anything. Mm. Yeah, I want to I'm, find out I'm more. I'm going to shout out, I don't know at all. <laughs> I... I mean, you'd be hard pushed to find somebody who doesn't yeah. at all, I think. And I think that that's, that's okay. We're all learning all the time. Things are changing all the time as well. Very true. You know. Things that weren't sexual acts before could now be sexual acts. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Everybody has different tastes. Could you give me a little example there? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> uh, not off the top of my head unfortunately <laughs> but it's funny when you mentioned the quizzes and it brought me back to I know Amy has mentioned the magazines of our youth yeah you know the the quizzes and the what body type are you and then to like yeah all the way to the best type of blowjob that you could give your boyfriend yeah. because that's all that's important in your yeah. life you know well apparently there's a science behind the Cosmo quiz that like there's a oh. way to structure them to bring someone from like a middle to an end to get them to learn the information that you're trying to put across by okay. putting the quiz out. So okay. if it's about like blowjobs or whatever. Yeah. I guess whoever designs the quiz has like a purpose a of we're going to teach you how to stick. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of it, you are a pro. That's all it takes. One That's quiz. That's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder how many articles about 50 ways to give the best blowjob ever or how many. I oh, mean, well, like in doing the research for this, I, like I came across this article that was like the best, it was something like the best sex positions and sex tips for 2019 or something like that. Amazing. It was on uh, Esquire.com. Like, <laughs> and it was the literally like so heavy on the male focus it was literally like reverse cowgirl number one position of all time <laughs> it, so it requires that's a lot of kind of like, core I think strength the first core four and quad strength were like yes reverse cowgirl giving a blowjob oh yeah sexting and sending nudes were like the four oh, top things for 2019 things. i love that yeah so let's talk a little bit about what happens to your body during sex you have we have a thing called the sexual response cycle um and it has four phases phase 1 is desire phase 2 arousal phase 3 orgasm hopefully and phase 4 resolution so both men and women experience these phases although the timing is usually different preach um <laughs> for example it's unlikely that both partners will reach orgasm at the same time Okay, and yet it is an expectation. Well, I mean, it's depicted in a lot of mainstream yeah. media and porn. Yeah. And it's kind of like the pinnacle of successful yes. sexual activity that everyone comes together and has a yeah. fabulous time. Yes. Not the reality. That's actually For in many. high fidelity, isn't it? That's the bit where he's like, we were both able to orgasm at the exact same time. And that yeah. was kind of deemed as one of his... With Charlie. They were perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, I haven't watched that movie for a long time, Amy. I'm going to watch it later. Yeah. It's so good. So good. So yeah, like the time spent, kind of the experience of each phase of this cycle and the time spent within each phase is different for everybody. So there is no hard and fast rules um, about uh, how sex should feel or okay. not feel. So like, yeah, we'll get, I'll, bring that in of the what would I like had like to have known about sex before I started having it um so, so obviously again as they vary for from every different person some of them may be absent or out of sequence mm -hmm. for for mm -hmm. some people um 
So the kind of physiological changes um, in phase one of desire, <clears throat> excuse me, is that your muscle tension increases, your heart rate quickens, your breathing starts to accelerate, your skin may become flushed, your nipples may become hard, um, blood flow to your genitals increases, um, vaginal lubrication for women begins, women's breasts tend to become fuller and the vaginal walls begin to swell and a man's testicles swell, his scrotum tightens and he begins secreting a lubricating liquid. Sounds good so far. Sounds good. Arousal then kind of intensifies the changes that have happened in phase one and hopefully extends to being on the brink of an orgasm. So the vagina continues to swell from increased blood flow. Um, vaginal walls turn a dark purple. Thank you to whoever did the science on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the woman's clitoris becomes highly sensitive. It may even be painful to touch. So that's... Mm -hmm normal for people to note that sometimes it can be too sensitive to yep. touch um, and it retracts under the clitoral hood to avoid direct stimulation from the penis mm. the man's testicles are withdrawn up into the scrotum and breathing heart rate and blood pressure continue to increase muscle spasms may begin in the feet face and hands <laughs> so sexy I know when you put it out like this it sounds all a bit oh. <laughs> um, I mean you never want to be presented with your sex face on a, you know <laughs> out of context never. maybe it's just those muscle spasms blame <laughs> it on the muscles like a, a, fa a facial a facial and full body twitch <laughs> mm. so phase three orgasm is the climax of the sexual response cycle it's the shortest of the phases sadly and generally only lasts a few seconds. So characteristics of this phase include the following. Involuntary muscle contractions. Blood pressure, heart rate and breathing are at their highest with rapid intake of oxygen. Muscles in the feet spasm. So the toe curling <laughs> mm -hmm. we're okay. aiming for. Um, and there is a sudden forceful release of sexual tension. In women, the muscles of the vagina contract. The uterus also undergoes rhythmic contractions. And in men, rhythmic contractions of the muscles at the base of the penis result in the ejaculation of semen. Um, and sometimes a rash or a sex flush may appear <laughs> over the entire body. Yes. Phase four is resolution. Um, and during this phase, the body slowly kind of returns to normal levels of function. The swelled and erect body parts return to their previous size and colour. This phase is marked by a general sense of well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And often fatigue. Some women... If you're a man. If you're a man. Yeah. Some women are capable of rapid return to the orgasm phase with further sexual stimulation and may experience multiple orgasms. Excellent. So I'm going to ask a really stupid question here. So if you have an orgasm and then another orgasm mm -hmm. in quick succession, yep. yeah, that we're defining that as multiple orgasms. Yes. Yes. Not loads of orgasms from the one <laughs> encounter I no, think you have to keep going like you have to keep doing a thing like yeah like you don't so, you, so <laughs> yeah you don't have to like change what you're doing or you could change what you're doing okay Ooh. if you reach that you do, I suppose it's just reaching the point of orgasm multiple times yeah. okay okay so the end not the means the end not the means yes Excellent phrase. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
and men need recovery time after orgasm. This is called a refractory. Of course they do. Poor little patties. <laughs> <laughs> this is called a refractory period during which they cannot reach orgasm again. The duration of the refractory period varies among men and changes with age. And also, I think, with health-related things. So, obviously, chronic illness. Yeah. Yeah. Obesity yeah. kind of... Yeah. Uh, poor health choices, yeah, smoking, alcohol, smoking drugs, alcohol, drugs, yeah. that kind of thing can, yeah. can cause issues there. And I think not very clearly depicted in mainstream media, this refractory period that men need to recuperate before they can. Yeah, absolutely. Again. Yeah. Why would you want to highlight that? <laughs> well, <laughs> because it's normal. Exactly. Um. So that's what's happening to all of our bodies when mm-hmm. we're having sex. Um, I'm that was talk- the least sexy. Yeah, it is a very yeah. unsexy description of sex, but yeah. that's what's happening. I have a friend just on the topic of multiple orgasms. I have a friend and herself and her ex-partner had a, a sex life that at first I thought to myself, I'd be really envious of that. But for me, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't be for me. But they uh-huh. would have penetrative sex until they both orgasmed three times <laughs> without stopping. Sorry. They would. I mean, he. You I don't know, know why he I'm was laughing. a young guy. His refractory period was quite short. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm with you. And obviously, her being female, you know, multiple orgasms. It was not. It was not a problem for her. And yeah. she was someone who could like orgasm through penetration. The P was. Per- it never came out. It never came out. It stayed in there the whole time, until they would both have three. Or and I just said to her, like, I mean, that's amazing, but I. <laughs> That would but be quite why uncomfortable for taking me. a little break. Like why? Like not even for a minute. Like, what happened on the third one? Poor Clarice. That was just, that was just was her the... style. That was just their style. That was just what they did. They established this kind of relationship. Why did they break up? Um, well, you don't answer. <laughs> why would like, you have any relationship that's like be that? So difficult to replicate in another relationship. I mean, near impossible. That's it's very, a very unique. strange. Like rule to have. Like I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it was a yeah, hard and fast the rule. Of three. Of three. <laughs> um, like one orgasm is nice. Obviously, three orgasms are even nicer. But like, I, I hope it wasn't like a thing of like we must continue having sex until. No, we I don't think it was that. But I, I think it was just when they were in for a session you know that that was just <laughs> session it was yeah that was just what they all right serious what sesh. they achieved you know which i mean fair play to them yeah interesting i hope i haven't distracted you now too much roshi <laughs> no no i'm, I'm going to be really thinking, thinking about, thinking about, about like yeah that i don't know if that would be it wouldn't be for me up my yeah. street <laughs> <laughs> this oh. is going to be so much fun in your endos <laughs> <laughs> um so average age of initiation of sexual activity in Ireland is very similar to kind of UK, US statistics. Um, age of sexual awakening, kind of awareness of wanting to have sex mm-hmm. or engage in sexual activity is around 15.4 years. So okay. I think before then in the kind of puberty stages that we talked about in episode one, um, you're kind of just exploring and things feel nice and it's yes. all going grand but it's around 15.4 years that it starts to be like I want to get it on with someone um, and then the age at which people kind of first begin to act on their sexual interest also varies widely and can be affected by a range of factors like your biological development your hormone levels cultural factors religious moral views yep. upbringing self-esteem 
education mm-hmm. and socioeconomic status. Yep. Um, so typically speaking, it's between 16 and 17 is the average age of initiation okay. of sexual activity. So if we're using that definition that we talked about before of not just penetrative mm. penis, vagina, sex, yep. I can see how most people would have started some form of sexual activity by the age of 16 to 17. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So by the end of teenage years, most people will have started having sex. Um, Kind of between, uh, by the time people turn 16, between a third and a half have. So that kind of younger um, age. That's a good number, like, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I found a little bit of information on kind of like a report that was done on this mm-hmm. um, kind of sexual habits and attitudes in Ireland, but it's from 2006. So it's a little bit outdated um, that found that the average age of first heterosexual vaginal intercourse was 16.9 for men and 17.4 for women. So I think it's gotten a little bit younger. Probably. Yeah. And I, I just want to note here that we're not going to be discussing very young sexual activity. So yep. in the literature, that's defined as 14 or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, just because um, there's a whole other kind of realm of resources and information that would not be necessary to explore there. But suffice to say that obviously children of that age are having sex Um. And the NHS provides a really nice resource for adults and parents who are um, trying to talk to young teenagers in mm-hmm. their life about okay. being or becoming sexually active, which we can link in the show notes for people. Um, just from what I've been reading about and from my experience of meeting younger uh, women having children mm-hmm. from their very early sexual experiences um, I would strongly recommend parents and adults to kind of give a little bit of time and consideration to the fact that they are having sexual feelings and experiences mm. at that young of an age yes. nowadays Yes. Um, and to think about how they're going to approach the subject of sex with mm. the young adults in their life um, like I think how those things are dealt with can be extremely formative and have a huge impact on how you positively or negatively relate to sexual relationships in your future yeah and you're talking about you know adults talking to their teenage kids at a time when their lives are so difficult you know we were talking about puberty and the changes that come with puberty and it can be so challenging with hormones and 100% you know um young teenagers looking for independence and feeling that they know I don't need to talk to you you don't know anything anyway and trying to overcome that in a sex positive way yeah must be yeah very challenging very challenging yeah yeah but yeah nice if there is a yeah it kind of goes through like what they're kind of going through how to talk to them about it how to get them, you know, contraceptives if they need it, mm. that kind of thing. And obviously, like, a lot of young teenagers would be very much like, oh, mom, dad, mm. don't talk to me about sex. Yeah. Um. So just trying to make it kind of what the purpose of what we're doing here as well is just to try and make it a lot easier to talk about. That's it. And I think, you know, if anyone listening has an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, then to try and get that sex-positive conversation started yeah. 
way before. Way before. Lay yeah. the groundwork. Yes, definitely. And then to try and just build on that over time. Um, well, you want them to get information that's, accurate. you know, from a trusted source. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. you know, you're, you want, you just want, you don't necessarily want them to be re- like getting it from their peers. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's value in that information mm. as well, because I don't think as parents or adults in their lives, you're going to be telling them about the fun or funny aspects of sex necessarily. Mm. Um, and it's good to be able to talk to your peers about like the embarrassing stuff or the weird stuff that you want to do or whatever that maybe you don't want to tell your parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But well, I think it's really important to have like a really open, easy conversation. With yeah. Um, a midwife that we all know had a conversation with her son who was 13 and they had for, for something in their um, SPHE education the the sexual and mm-hmm. um, personal health education in school he had to come home and talk to his mom about something to do with sex you know and she said you know now the next couple of years <sighs> you're gonna meet girls and you're gonna like those girls and you know they're gonna let you touch their boobs and you're gonna think that feels great and he was like oh my god mom stop stop talking stop, stop. <laughs> and she was like you know it's gonna feel really nice she was like it is it just is gonna feel really nice and you're gonna enjoy it but you know you need to be careful and she said to him I don't want you putting your dirty little fingers inside anybody. And he just... Okay. You know, um, and, you know, so, okay, she, this, this this woman, she's very open. She's very honest. Yeah. She's like that as a midwife. You know, she's she's really open with her women. And it's great. And she was really trying to open up that conversation, but he just wasn't prepared was for cringing. that. You know, yeah. Yeah. He, he really was. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, tell the truth. You know, I hope that I'll tell my daughter when she's going out you know, you make sure they wash their hands. <laughs> that is <laughs> genuinely, and I mean this, I've just never thought about it on that level. Yeah. No. They're filthy little as fingers. As a teenage girl, yeah. as an adult woman. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of advice that that's a, we'll That's see. really good advice for any woman, yeah, actually. I mean, that's, you know, Have it's you washed happen. your hands? Yeah. <laughs> on the dance floor in Coppers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one of our lecturers was talking to us. Um, she's written a lot about um, kind of online activity and about teenagers and kind of how we're trying to teach them yeah. about sex. And one of the things that she talks about a lot is um, what they're kind of trying to do now in schools is talking to people about like stop sending like don't send te- don't send sex don't send erotic pictures pics. mm. and she's like the like the onus is always on the person who's sending it whereas like if we could try and have a conversation with teenagers where we're saying don't share the pictures like and she was like why would we not want them sharing pictures and expressing themselves in that way like we don't want them to have you know surely it's better that this is just another form of expression mm-hmm. um which sexting is you know like yeah it does kind of come back to the age of consent though like in the law they're doing things that aren't necessarily yes i suppose that's true and and i suppose whether the images are it depends on yes exactly yeah you know that they're yeah. just sending these images out for people who are not expecting them yeah you certainly I, don't like want it's them. going to happen let's be realistic like they're going to do it they're going that's the thing so it's so like an, there's an acceptance of that yeah. on a level yeah so instead um, of making being like, them aware of things like their age of consent mm-hmm. and the kind of it is a mm. it is a risky behavior on like there's yeah. no way, other way of looking at it yeah it's the same yeah. as if they were having sex at a really young age it's a risky behavior yeah 
in lots of ways. Um, but I think maybe like that teaching them about sharing yeah. and about being very clear if they want to receive images. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that kind of thing is really important. It's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, also, just to say, as midwives, we, like, as I said before, we meet younger people having babies. So it's important to note that when a young person is accessing maternity services, depending on their geographical area, they can and will be offered kind of highly specialised services, um, including mm. a dedicated teenage midwife um, and social work involvement to support them in their needs around becoming young parents. And that is another avenue if parents haven't managed to reach their young people at that stage to talk about contraception and sexual activity. Yeah. Um, I found an interesting study from last year titled Sexual Intercourse, Age of Initiation and Contraception Among Adolescents in Ireland. Um, and it's kind of the first nationally representative and internationally comparable data on young people's sexual health behaviours in Ireland. So what the kind of research is showing is that kind of future sexual health norms of behaviour and mm-hmm. practice really the groundwork is established in their adolescence. So what they're learning about sex yes. now carries through to their sexual behaviour and mm-hmm. practices as adults. Um, so that's, again, why it's really important to be having these kind of open conversations. So um, they were saying that uh, earlier initiation of sex is associated with less use of contraception, unplanned intercourse, Mm -hmm. and the increased likelihood of regretting first-time intercourse. Okay. Okay. So kind of preparing young people for that, I think, is important. Mm -hmm. Um, It critiques a little bit the relationship with sexuality education curriculum. Okay. Just in saying that actually that whole curriculum stemmed out of... um, this sort of wave of teenage pregnancies in the 1990s and they were really trying to respond to that. So it's a little bit focused on... Not getting pregnant. Not getting pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then it's dictated by school ethos, which we talked about, which like predominantly Catholic schools Mm. are focused more so on relationship and marriage preparation, seemingly. Okay, okay. Rather than sexual health and sexuality education. Um, But as we discussed, it might hopefully be improving a little bit from the sense of what your primary school teacher yeah. friend was saying um and we'd love i'd love to hear certainly anyway kind of parents recent experiences of their children being taught the curriculum yeah i think i have something um, here somebody sent me cool on instagram I'll just so from it. this study i thought this was really promising from this study over three quarters of young people reported using a condom at their last episode of intercourse that's okay. 75% like that's yeah that's really good yeah. more than I would have thought yeah boys condom use was predicted by age weirdly bullying others who knows why mm. that's mm. Um, physical activity and health protective behaviours so boys who would be inclined to take two Panadol if they had a headache are more likely to also use a condom when they're having sex okay, okay. girls non-condom use was predicted by taking medication for physical and physiological symptoms um, whereas belonging to a non-traveller community, healthy food consumption, higher quality of life and experience of being bullied was seen as protective in terms of use of contraceptives. Okay. 
Do you need to sneeze, Tara? I did sneeze, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Um so the Irish figures for young people's sexual initiation are slightly lower than international figures, but get uh, in and around kind of 10-ish percent for girls and boys. Um, and then another report which kind of looked into norms of sexual health behaviour in Ireland is Sexual Health in Ireland, What Do We Know, uh, published by the HSE in June 2018. Um, interestingly... Half of women, oh, just over half of women in Ireland and almost one third of men report having one lifetime sexual partner. Half of women? Yeah. Wow. Of only having one? Of only having Mm. one lifetime sexual partner. Wow. Men are more likely to report a greater number of lifetime sexual partners. Young men have the highest median number of partners. One quarter of heterosexual men report having 10 or more lifetime partners. Less than 1% of men and women report having 10 or more partners in the previous year. Okay. So we're not going wild. No, (laughs) was there any, was there, did I miss you reading there now? Was there a number of people who had no partners? One of the kind of drawbacks of this report I found was that it didn't really entertain Yes. Anything other than this man, woman, penis, vagina experience. Okay. So like it looks at certain, um, what would you call them? Like specialised groups. Mm -hmm. There's like a segment in the report and those specialised groups are young adults, older people, migrants and men having sex with men. Like there's no discussion of lesbians. There's no discussion of trans people and there's no discussion of people. Um who are not having sex and they also but they don't really define that very well they there's one line in the report that says there was no sources of information found relating to sexual behavior among sex workers people with intellectual disabilities but not people with physical disabilities okay or prisoners so they don't address people with physical disability Mm. lesbian women trans people and people who maybe aren't having aren't engaged in sexual activity or are doing other things that aren't maybe like solo sexual activity yeah like there's no kind yeah. of research on that okay um so what it really i suppose presents is that there's a need for a kind of representative national level research right sexual knowledge attitudes behaviors um and more kind of high quality information on those subgroups yeah. okay um in terms of frequency of sex there's again a wide variety but most irish people 58 percent have less sex less than once a week with 28% having sex less than once a month. Okay. Um, so around 42% of us have sex anywhere between once a week and every day. Wow. Although the latter group is very small. Okay. Um, Interesting. And around 15% of Irish people have intercourse once a year or less frequently. Okay. okay. Um, half of married people have sex less than once a week. Mm-hmm. and very few of us Irish people apparently have ever had anal sex I don't believe that for a fucking minute <laughs> <laughs> not from a personal point they're all up and down the country <laughs> like I heard somewhere recently anecdotal evidence of course that people are having more anal sex yes. now because they don't want the risk of pregnancy but they're still able to have sex okay yeah that's yeah. what I that's what I thought as well so 
I'm yeah. coming back to the questions. Mm-hmm. What do you know now about sex that you wish you had known before you started having sex? And what would you tell a friend, relative or your children about sex? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a tough one, Roisin. Mm. Um, I guess for me. Yeah. I wish someone had told me. Like, obviously, we talked about the non-sexy sexual response cycle and how it's different for everyone. It varies. I wish someone had told me that there was no sort of standard yes. sexual experience, as in this means it's working and this means it doesn't. Yeah. Do you know, I remember having multiple conversations with friends where a friend would reveal that she did something in the bedroom and I would rack my brain going, oh my God, I didn't do that. Am I meant to be doing that? Should I try that the next time I'm having sex with someone? Yeah. Like, it, does that mean I'm doing it wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I think a little bit of that is like, not everyone is teabagging or whatever, like <laughs> whatever you want to. Just... A wonderful example. <laughs> do you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone has teabagged or been teabagged <laughs> recently, if they could just drop us a line. I'm yet to meet someone who's done it or had it done to them. Really? Oh. Oh, Tara. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm just thinking of someone just crouching above my head and just kind of doing the little. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I think I wish I had known before starting to have sex is that it's all right to say that you don't know what something is. Or say that you've never done it. Yes. But that you're willing to try. If you are willing to try. <laughs> if you are willing to try. And it's okay to yeah. say that you're not willing to try. And that sex is funny. Yeah. And embarrassing. Yes. Even when you really like the person and it's going well. Sometimes something silly happens and it's all right to laugh. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all right to stop and take a break and have to pee. And yes. It's not just. Yeah. Yeah. I think like a lot, probably a lot of like not trying to mimic some sort of unattainable perfect sexual experience was what I wish I had known about sex yeah that's it I think that I it's younger. I think that it would be nice to know that you don't have to writhe around the place mm. screaming your head off <laughs> you know, yeah, to, to prove that you're having a good with time with your muscles yeah, you know? as your muscles yeah. are twitching frantically <laughs> yeah <laughs> that facial spasm is on the go yeah um, yeah I think some you know things like that um, and that it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. You know? I remember the, it was it the second person I ever slept with asked if I would toss his salad <laughs> and I had literally no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> and that's kind of something, yeah, it's, you know, you'd kind of want to know that you're getting into that. Yeah. 100%. I wasn't just going in blind. Like, Did you establish what it was? I've been can you doing tell, the wrong can you thing. tell me? Um, it's like, I'm going to describe it really badly. It's, it's a rim job. Yeah. Or a rimmer. Like, is it called? Is it a rimmer? Oral stimulation, stimulation of someone's anus. Of the anus. Yeah. Okay. I Can I just ask why it was called tossing a salad? Because that doesn't. Yeah. Like, if you were like, oh, licking the bowl. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a little too prescriptive. Maybe, like, I don't know. I, Would you mind licking my bowl, please? <laughs> I like to bake, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. we, so he went all Urban Dictionary on it. Yeah. Okay. Like, that is so, I'm, I, it's, yeah. He, he it's was American. Like, I think. Yeah. yeah. He was getting that from porn, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and what would I say? To what would you say if a young adult or even a person you were looking after in hospital was asking you something about sex? About sex? I suppose to, I would encourage them to keep the conversation going. To mm-hmm. always talk to someone if they have questions. Um, and I suppose it comes back to what you were saying as well before, like to know your own body well. Yeah. You know, to be the one, like you should be the one to know your body and not have somebody else tell you. Yeah. These are the things that we should be yeah, doing should and be you doing. should be yeah. doing. Yeah, I think you know? that like your partner isn't your, isn't the key to your sexual pleasure and enjoyment. Absolutely. Is, yeah, another good one. Yeah. Amy, mm-hmm. what about you? What do you wish you'd known or what would you tell someone? Um, I think I would tell someone uh, the main thing would be just kind of going with your gut instinct. If you feel something isn't right, if you don't feel comfortable with something, just instead of going with the flow, you know, it's perfectly fine to just stop things. Yeah. Um, and also, I suppose, just, you know, don't rush into anything when you're younger. And just, you know, there's plenty of other things you can do. That is very good fun. Which brings me nicely to our (laughs) next segment. Masturbation. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically, I want to talk about female sexual pleasure. Yeah, I Um, I mean, I think there's enough um, airtime given to male sexual pleasures. And I mean, it's very much a cultural kind of norm that men masturbate. Yeah. Yeah. And that they have to. Um, or need to, whatever way you want to kind of phrase it. Um, whereas I think it's depicted a lot for women as like this saucy, naughty thing yes, that some definitely. women do. Yeah. As opposed to like a fucking deadly thing that we all enjoy. Yeah. Like and should enjoy and do more of. So masturbation is the manual stimulation of the genitalia, mainly to have an orgasm. For women, this can involve stimulation of the clitoris, vagina, vulva, and sometimes anus with their hands or sex toys. Um, approximately kind of 80% of 14 to 17-year-old boys and only 48% of girls of the same age say they've masturbated. Hmm. So think I think I actually true? think that's more than I expected. I, nearly would, 50%. I actually would have thought that it would be a lower number. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so surprised. that's promising, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as we said, there's obviously kind of a socio-cultural difference in attitudes towards male and female masturbation. And it's obviously not great to be sending a message that boys are sexual and girls less so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose the information as kind of healthcare professionals and feminists would be for me that women we should talk to young girls about masturbation yeah I think it's important that they know that they have I mean sex with yourself is the safest kind that's a very good point <laughs> you know it, it, yeah. it is yeah um, and it, yeah it can be enjoyable and have a great time and yeah get to know your body and yeah, you're not going to get And it will on your ultimately, own. hopefully, lead to more pleasurable sex. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And people knowing what they want and knowing how to communicate what they want yeah. is really important. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, certainly when you, when you talk about it, say, from a, from a healthcare point of view, mm. yeah, you're not going also to. Also, to be aware that, like, obviously, you can hurt yourself masturbating. Well, yes. And to be yes. careful. 
maybe wash your hands wash your hands yeah <laughs> step one take we touched on that <laughs> take breaks occasionally <laughs> um and don't be afraid if you do do something and things feel a bit raw to take tell it. someone yeah. get a little bit of help maybe buy some lube in the next local grocery shop you're doing um maybe not as a teenager if you're going with your parents i mean it depends how, well, sex, how, how do you mind the house pick is. me up a bit of jurex soft play please <laughs> thanks yeah um it's better than yeah and i think having a red raw clitoris yes it is yeah um but i think certainly um in the emergency departments um i know i received a phone call from a woman one day who you know had been using her vibrator for maybe a bit too long and was very uncomfortable and didn't kind of really know what to do she kind of wasn't keen to stop us so we had to sort of advise her just take a break and yeah I do know know, I I received a phone call from a woman before who had suffered some form of vaginal trauma from Mm. fingering herself okay and was bleeding quite a bit um oh no actually it was her partner okay um so she was just ringing to ask what she should do. Did she need to come in? Did she have to do something to stop the bleeding? Should she be worried how much was too much? All that kind of thing. Mm, mm, mm. She was a gas character altogether. We were on the phone for ages. Um, but obviously better that she rang in and asked the questions and made sure she was all right. And obviously had yeah. she needed to present to the hospital, I would have told her to do so. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to female masturbation, like, do you remember when Anne Summers was opening here first? Here in Ireland. I remember feeling like really bold going into a sex shop for the first time. I think it was Ann Summers. But I, but do you remember before they opened? They were on the late late. Yeah, it was a massive. You know, it was it was like it oh was my a god, massive yeah, deal. Was, and they have things Horror, in there yeah, yeah. that are going to make women happy. You know, it was mm. really it was so off the wall. Even though there were a few sex shops in town, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, but it was very much, oh my god, this is blatantly out there for women to feel good and they had you know and it was very much a a new a new thing whereas before whether people talked about what was in the sex shops or not they certainly were not advertised as places for females to go in to mm-hmm. get something for themselves to use alone to use without their partner i think i think half of the the horror was people felt oh we're going to be redundant now you know whereas <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. It's just a change. It was yeah. just a changing time. I remember it so clearly. Yeah, you know that it was that it was being discussed, and then and after the shop opened, then they were they were doing the parties, the Anne Summers parties, and it was this whole oh my god, and you put the vibrator on your nose and ah. Anyway. One of my friends in college used to do that. That was her job. She used to host Anne Summers parties, Anne Summers party, and uh, she said I think she used to drink like a shoulder of Bacardi before, before each she one. went <laughs> to kind of like so she was all g'd up going in. Um, yeah, she said it was brilliant. Yeah, I think you'd have to be pretty kind of gamey yeah. to do one of those parties. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely. Um, that brings us kind of nicely to our feminist of the fortnight. It really does. Yeah. Yes. Who is Shauna Scott, mm-hmm. who is a really cool um, lady who is responsible for sexshopper.ie. So this is an online Irish sex shop. Um, which she started. I'm trying to remember when she started. It's a good few years now, I think, that she's been... I think it's minimum five years. Mm. Sorry, yes. Shauna, we're be... getting this information Yeah, apologies. Incorrect, but it... uh... So 
she had she's on Instagram and Twitter. She has her online uh her website. Um and she sells really lovely sex toys. Not I wouldn't say they're exclusively for women, obviously. No, but I think she has a nice focus on female masturbation and female sexual pleasure on her kind of social media accounts. Um she is really knowledgeable and she's done a deadly thing on Instagram recently um, called, I think she called it sex toy selfies. So she has people sending in pictures of themselves with their favourite sex toys. Great. To kind of break down a little bit of stigma and show that everyone kind of has, That's well, great. not everyone, but like lots of people have and are using sex toys and are really um, enjoying them. <laughs> she has really good sex toy reviews and other kind of... Um, like informative highlights on her Instagram. She has a very popular, I find this a little surprising. I don't know, you can tell me otherwise. One of her most popular toys for women is a little mini butt plug. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's called. Remember we were looking at those, Tara, they had the tails on the them. The raccoon tail? The raccoon tails. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, we never made the purchase. No, you bought me a key ring. That a similar, raccoon tail yeah. key ring, I did. <laughs> <laughs> not to be mistaken for not to be mistaken no not body safe keyrings are not yes. body safe um, and one other really cool thing which she did recently um, she just this weekend actually was at a physio conference in yes. Galway um, so she does look a little bit at the side of kind of health based sexual information as well as pleasure based yes kind of. Um, and she's partnering with a company called Onut, who are um, the makers of stackable silicone bumpers that the penetrating partner wears at the base of their penis or toy to make sex more comfortable and pleasurable for folks who suffer different pelvic pain conditions. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's really So she was at this physio conference um, with some of her toys and these mm-hmm. um, Onuts. Um, and she made a really interesting point on her Instagram stories for doctors and physiotherapists in particular who would be dealing with women who have um, sexual health issues. Mm. And she said to be conscious for those healthcare professionals to be conscious that a really informed and approachable sex shop vendor. Yes. Would be really beneficial to have in doctors and physios and midwives I think yeah kind of back pocket mm. as someone to refer patients to if they don't feel super comfortable talking to their healthcare professionals about their sexual experiences or what kind of yeah uh, toys or things that they need to use or how they're getting on with using them because I suppose sometimes it will be kind of challenging to go to your GP who you go to for like a chest infection and be like, I'm getting on really good with the, the like yeah. sex rings there yes. that you sent, sent <laughs> yes. me on. So to have someone like Shauna or accessible information on her social media um, or website for people to go to because she's well informed on the, the kind yeah, of health aspect interesting. of it too. Yeah. So thank you, Shauna, for, for kind of breaking down a good bit of stigma for providing a really nice Irish based platform for sex toys and discussion around sexual health and pleasure. Yeah, that's Perfect. great. Um did we have any 
dear so, fanny oh yeah questions. we did have a dear fanny question we had a dear fanny question so somebody was asking we had a few actually we yeah. had a few on this topic which is great so the first one um is about sex in pregnancy can you can you have sex when you're pregnant and the answer 100% is 100 yes absolutely yes. if you feel comfortable to do so you can of course um um so some um women feel very nervous having sex in pregnancy um particularly in a heterosexual couple what if my partner lands on my baby pokes the baby, pokes the baby yeah. in the head um and so on and so forth um, <laughs> which like when you know how impossible that is yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i shouldn't um, laugh it's obviously a genuine concern yeah, for some people your baby is well protected um in the womb and it um, is love that got your baby in there and you know that's okay mm. to continue making love with your partner there are throughout. some situations where yes. women would be advised not you know to, not, not to, to have sex yeah, but absolutely. those are you know very specific things we won't really go into them yeah you'd be told by your yeah, you'd be told. Or doctor yeah. Yeah. when it's not yeah and obviously just for women to be conscious that you can have what we would call a post-coital bleed bleed yeah um but it's important to always contact your healthcare professional if you have any bleeding in pregnancy, regardless of whether it's associated with an episode of intercourse, I would think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We get advice from our emergency rooms and it's much better to go in and get assessed and for a midwife or a doctor to tell you that it's related to the episode of intercourse rather than to just assume that it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, But the main thing is, is that you feel comfortable yourself yeah. you have to feel comfortable in the, one of my in um, situation preceptors so or like our mentors when we're student midwives um when i was going to give postnatal information to a woman um and she was kind of saying and make sure you talk about sex after baby and when to resume um and i was saying to her that i was really nervous to talk it was one of my first times as a student mm. midwife giving postnatal information and i was like i'm so nervous to talk to them about their sex life like it's none of my business kind of thing and she just like launched into this really cool like open conversation about sex in pregnancy and postnatal sex and she was saying that some of the best orgasms of her life were when she had sex during pregnancy so yeah go out and enjoy folks yeah Absolutely. Um, and equally masturbation during pregnancy. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Yes. Absolutely fine. And, you know, um, sexual contact and particularly, you know, um, in a particularly loving and gentle way can help your baby come Make into an the world. At the yeah. right time. At the right time. It will, you know, sex and pregnancy will not cause premature labour. However, if you feel your labour is starting, um and you feel that you you want to have sex then then that is it can be a help a little like, helping uh, yeah, hand yeah absolutely um <laughs> yeah um and i when you were talking about a resumption of sex uh, post yeah. baby which is another one of our uh, dear fanny questions so when when is it okay so i would always advise women um that they and sometimes it's difficult i think for a lot of women to be the leading partner mm -hmm. in that respect that it shouldn't be dictated by their partner when sex resumes because yeah. they're the person who's gone through a physical and potentially traumatic experience and um, so that's step one that they should be ready mm -hmm. but that everyone is ready at a different time 
Um, number one piece of advice is that if you've had a perineal trauma, um, in particular, if that's required stitches, that you should wait until the stitches have healed. Um, just because obviously any kind of friction may interrupt the healing of the stitches and the coming back together of your tissues. Um, so that's typically around 10 to 14 days is when the stitches there will have done the majority of their work. Now, obviously not a lot of women would be ready to resume at 10 to 14 days. Um, and then it's about sensation and um, how it feels to you. So a lot of women can expect to feel, to have sex feel different after having a baby. Yeah, because obviously there's been um, changes to your kind of perineal muscles and vaginal wall. Um, and you may have then scar tissue from uh, perineal trauma, mm-hmm. episiotomy or the vaginal wall tear or whatever. Um, and obviously for women who've had a cesarean section, they can have obviously their cesarean section scar. They need to be con- conscious again. The same thing with the stitches, I would say. Not too much friction while their stitches are still doing their work. Yeah. Um, and it's about comfort and yeah. levels of comfort. So good water-based lubricant, I would suggest, for the first time you resume yeah. sexual activity. Yeah, and actually one of the other questions that we got on the Dear Fanny leads into that nicely, which is why do I have such a dry, dry vagina? vagina after having after, a baby. Yeah, yeah, um, which can be associated with uh, when you're breastfeeding and your levels of estrogen are very low um, and much the same for women post-menopause. Uh, they find mm-hmm. that the, they need a lubricant um, in order to have penetrative sex um, so that is normal um, and again it just comes down to comfort take your time communicate yeah communicate everything with your partner and um, yeah just just uh, and if you're having problems pain yes um anything really um I like I would tend to err on the side of advising women to try to have intercourse just before they go for their six week check with their GP if they feel ready um, just to see that there isn't any glaringly uh, yeah, that there aren't terrible any major problems. problems. Yeah. Um, but obviously not all women are going to be ready at that stage. So to try and have established a good relationship with your GP that if you are having pain or difficulty yeah. with intercourse after having a baby that you can approach it really easily with your GP if not obviously a friend maybe a midwife friend yeah. um, if you can and to know that it's not you know, it's not something that you just have to put up with now that you've had a baby that sex maybe isn't as pleasurable or doesn't feel the same yeah. or is associated with pain those things are not normal you should be able to get back the majority of your kind of sexual absolutely function function and, and like pleasure yeah. that you had before a baby yeah um, but obviously everyone's healing rates and that are different so yeah take your time but yeah access. and yeah the, the, and the psychological you're wrapping your head around it yeah 100 you know there's there's a change in your life now and you have a baby and um yeah so i think you know being ready um so yeah i think um that's i think, I think that's we've it. covered it all yes yeah um as always, please feel free to contact us, yonicboompodcast at gmail.com and boomionic on Instagram. We welcome questions and comments always. And um, yeah, tell your friends, keep listening. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.
While we are medical professionals and we love answering your questions, this pod should never be used in place of a real-life consultation with a midwife or a doctor. If you have a serious concern about your health or a medical emergency, please go to your GP or to a hospital.